We're starting a new series called Come and See. New series called Come and See. And I want to give you the premise for this series up front. Um, it's for us to come and see. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's incumbent upon us as believers, wherever we find ourselves in our, in our age and stage of our journey with Jesus, it's important for us to understand that we need to keep on coming to Jesus. That the Christian walk is not a, a one-time event where I come to him and, and then, okay, I surrender and I, and, and, I, and I receive him as Lord and he, he redeems me and saves me. It's not a one-time deal. It's a keep on coming. It's a keep on coming. And it's a keep on seeing that, that as I'm coming to him and as I'm growing in him and surrendering to him, there's more things that he's showing me about his beauty and his ways and who he is. So I need to, I need to come to him and I need to see. I need to come to him and I need to hear. I need to come to him and I need to be transformed. But it's also a continuation in what we've done leading up to Easter right? It's been this, this, this invitation to invite loved ones, friends, families, co-workers to come and see, not a program, but Jesus. That your whole evangelistic process is not only an invitation to Easter Sunday, Praise God for that. I sent out an email this week to our members just thanking them for your invitation on Easter Sunday, right? And so praise God for those that came, right? But here's the question I want to ask post-Easter. What's our next step with them, right? Because it's more to, to, to sharing the good news of Jesus than an invitation to Easter. Praise God, I was so blessed by, by this church and just how you guys responded. Praise God for that. And Easter in many ways is the culmination of the Christian calendar. Praise God for that. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Praise God for that. But then next Sunday comes. And we got to walk this thing out as continual missionaries for the glory of God. So the Come and See series has two parts. It's for us to come and see and experience and grow and be transformed, but it's also for us to be thinking one of the ways that Jesus gets ministry to you is that he gets ministry through you. He gets it through you. So he's not just ministering to you he's ministering to you so you can minister to someone else amen praise god so this is this is important for us as a church this is important for us having next steps so what does that look like rodney for me to do that i hear you but what does that look like um it looks like <clears throat> being authentic being authentic in your relationships with people, loving people, right? It's, it looks like if someone comes to you at, at work and they have a situation and they're telling you about it, and I'm sure because you guys are amazing people, this stuff happens all the time to you. <laughs> I'm almost sure of it. 
The people come to you and they're sharing with you their issues. They're sharing with you their problems. Why? Because there's something about you that's different. Has anybody ever told you that? I don't know. Is there something about you that's different? Anybody? Okay, so maybe I'm completely wrong in my premise. Um, <laughs> but it, what that is, is the radiance of Christ's power emanating through you. It's, it's what we talked about in the Sermon on the Mount. It is letting your light shine, right? So men may see your good works and glorify their Father in heaven. The light of Christ in you draws people to you. So when they come to you sharing their struggles, it's not for you to try to diagnose where did this start. Not necessarily. A part of it is saying, what your problem in is, is much deeper than I can give you. How about we start with prayer? It's one of the ways I do that is I offer prayer. Another way I do that is I have meals. I listen. We do coffee. We break bread. Another way we do that is I'm inviting them to things. Could be my life group. Could be church on Sunday. But some folks won't come, right? <laughs> work yesterday girl came up to me and she was like so how was easter i was like oh my goodness it was amazing i was like why didn't you come i said i know i know i know you invited me i'm gonna come it's cool right cool in the game but some folks won't come to church or your life group i ain't going to nobody else i know who else that is but they might walk through a CBR journal with you for the next two weeks. Here's his journal. Let's walk through this together for the next 14 days. Let's text each other at night and let's get what you're getting out of your reading. I know you had a bad experience with church. I get that. Cool. How about the book? Can we try this, this book? And so we're always thinking about what are the next steps with the people around us, okay? And for those who say, yeah, Rodney, that's cute. That's a great starter. I need something more. I need to know how to, how to insert the gospel with accuracy. I need, I need to know my biblical references as I engage people and become salt and light. Great. There's a gospel fluency training on May 4th. Let's see who show up in Jesus' name. <laughs> I want to talk to you about three things this morning. Let's, let's, let's get the work. Three things this morning out of, our, out of our passage, new series, come and see. Three things. Number one, looking for something. Number two, more than Sundays. And number three, never go alone. Never go alone. Let's pray and let's jump into it. Father, in your name, we give you glory and honor for all that you are and all that you're doing and who you are. Father, we pray that you will bless this time. Let it be used to bring you glory. Oh, God, would we make you famous in our hearts and in our lives. Oh, God, help this word to be planted and to be watered and to grow and bring forth fruit. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's read our passage. You find me in John chapter 1, verses 20, not 35, I'm sorry, 35 through 42, seven verses. John chapter 1, eight verses. John chapter 1, verse 35 
42, and it says this. The next day, again, John was standing with his two disciples. And he looked at Jesus as he walked and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And he said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and you will see. That's our series. So they came and saw where he was standing, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two heard John speak and followed Jesus. It was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. Looking for something. I have these little things. I don't know if y'all have this. Apple. AirPods. I think I shared with you when I won them, I was very excited. Um, one of the challenges to these little things is they're little. Uh, they, are, they are great, but I have an 18-month baby, 18-month-old baby, who likes to get into things, and she likes to open this case up, and then she likes to, to take these things out. She doesn't understand the ramifications of that process. And so sometimes they get lost. Have you ever lost something you really liked? It's a frustrating thing to, to, to lose keys, to lose wallets, to lose phones, to lose earphones. It's, 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 a, it's a hard thing because you, you, you really search for it until you find it. I mean, if you really, really are needed, you'll, you'll just search. Have you ever helped somebody search for something? That's particularly frustrating. Does anybody call you, hey, I need you to help me look for, for so-and-so. Okay, what is it? And they tell you, and, and one of my questions are, uh, what does it look like? Because here you want me to search for something, and I don't even know what it looks like. That's particularly frustrating. I believe in all of this world, in all of our lives, everyone is looking for something. This week I was thinking about just a busy intersection. Think, think New York City. Think, think people walking really is a primary means of transportation. And think about people going north and south and east and west and, and see them walking at different speeds and, 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 and walking maybe with earphones on or, or looking down at their phone. And, 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 and you'll see all these people. You have no idea where they're going. If they're looking for something, but here's what the Bible will teach us. All of us are looking for God. All of us. All of us are in search this morning for God. We're all looking. Now, some of us don't use that language that I'm looking for God. Some of us use this language of I'm, I'm trying to experience my best life talking to a person uh, last week, and they said, Rodney, I don't have any more time to waste. I've wasted enough years, and I have to be about me right now. 
went through traumatic experience, and this person just wanted their own satisfaction. They wanted their, their own experience to be about themselves because they were tired of giving energy and effort to other people. I would conclude you're still looking for God. You may not know it, you may not have the language, but you are. We all are looking for him. And some of you will say, man, I ain't looking for nothing, I'm good. I know Jesus, I'm fine, I'm not looking for him, I have him. Okay? Do your actions demonstrate that? Do your dreams express that? What about your hopes? What are you really hoping for? Does your calendar, does your bank account shed light on the real pursuit of your heart? Is it Jesus? You see, you get the picture and you understand. For, those, for people here this morning that may not have this relationship with Jesus, but even for those of us this morning that would call ourselves Christian, what are you looking for? C.S. Lewis says it this way, if I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, I love this, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. I've, I've, I may have quoted that to you before in some sermon at some point. But I always hear that and wrestle with that time and time again because I think I buy into the lie sometimes that what, what's going to satisfy is on this side. I buy, I buy, and, and, and I know, I know it's a lie. But if I'm honest, there are times I buy into the lie that, that Jordan's performance in speech and debate is going to satisfy me. Jordan's my daughter. I buy into the lie that, that this, this, little, this little ticket item is going to bring some type of satisfaction. Or that I can get all the, the, the satisfaction and all of what I desire from my wife, which I can't, or she was not designed to do that. And if I put that expectation on her, I'm putting a weight on her that she was never designed to bear. My full fulfillment comes from Christ and Christ alone. It's not to say that these things do not bring us some fulfillment, some joy, some rest, some good gifts, because God has given us good gifts to enjoy, but I cannot be, uh, I, I cannot make um, the fruit of something the root. The root is Christ. We're all looking for something, and that's in our text. Check this out in John chapter 1. You have these two disciples of John that are with John the Baptist, and that just, that just gives me help in understanding how quickly they respond to Christ because as they're with John the Baptist, here's what they're understanding. John the Baptist has only come to prepare the way for Christ. John the Baptist has already said, I am not the Christ. There's one coming after me that's more mightier than I am. I love John the Baptist because he understands how to get out of the way and make room for Jesus. As we talk about inviting people to come and see, here's what you understand. You don't have no kind of power to change anybody. 
Some of us come up against situations. We say, Rodney, I don't know what to do. My friend just invited me to their lesbian wedding. How do I respond to that? You have no power to change anybody. And that primary understanding frees you up to point people to Jesus. John gets it. And because he gets this, we can, we, we, we can kind of assume here that his disciples, his disciplined learners, understand this as well. They know there's a coming king. They know John ain't it. They know that this one that's coming after John has the power to take away sins and is coming to establish his own kingdom. And then John says, as he sees Jesus, Behold, the Lamb of God. I love this. John says it. The two disciples say, we out. Start following Jesus. Um, as a leader, you can struggle sometimes with insecurity, particularly when someone leaves, not just as a leader, if you're in relationship, if you're, if you're on Facebook and somebody deletes your friendship, I don't know, you, you, you can struggle when people walk away. And if you read this text too quickly, you'll think the disciples just this John, ungrateful selves. How dare they walk away from John? John labored with them. John taught them. They see Jesus and just run off. This is not a diss against John. This is the greatest compliment of his teaching. When you are discipling people to follow Jesus, you, 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 you hurt when they leave. But if they're leaving to go follow Jesus, there's this sad rejoicing. It's this, it's this heartbreak and excitement that they are moving to whatever that next stage is. If you're walking with someone and they're, 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 they're um, whatever it is that they're doing, they're, man, they're contemplating ministry, and then all of a sudden you see them start establishing themselves in ministry. That's not to say they forgot about you or they dissed you. It is a compliment to your training and discipleship. They are complimenting John here by following the one that John taught them to follow. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. These two brothers, they get it. They start following Jesus. Other people hear John say that. And they stay there. Question on this table, what makes you stay? What makes you stay and not follow Jesus? Are you more enamored with John than the person John is pointing you to? So these two start following Jesus. I love what Jesus says to them. Jesus turns and says to them, what are you looking for? Or in essence, what do you want? That's kind of cold-blooded. If I'm Messiah and people start following me, yeah, y'all supposed to follow me. Come on. Like, I'm the Messiah, right? I, I want people following me, but he is so concerned with not just what you do, hear me this morning, but why you do what you do. You got up this morning, showered, hopefully showered, got in the car, 
got, you know, drove here, expended gas and energy, right? Put on some, something decent, showed up in church, listening to this sermon. Why are you here? Or Sunday, I go to church on Sunday. <laughs> what are you looking for? He's, he's, trying to, he's trying to get after something more than just you capitulating to what you think I want. Why are you following me? I, 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 I take a moment, think about that this morning. Why did you come here? talk about more than Sunday. Now, if Jesus asks me, what do I want? I got a lot of stuff to tell him. To me, that's a blank check. Let's wrap. <laughs> Let me tell you all I want. I love what these disciples do. They say, where are you staying? Jesus says, what do you want? They say, where are you staying? Jesus says, what do you want? They said, where are you staying tonight? You see, the disciples are not after something that seems transactional. All throughout Jesus' ministries, people were transactional with him. Blind Bartimaeus, what do you want? I want to receive my sight. People in the wilderness, they're hungry. What do you want? We're hungry. Feed us fish and loaves. My, my, my brother has died. Jesus, if you were here, he wouldn't have died. Come raise him from the dead. My, my daughter just passed away. Come, come raise her. I'm, I'm struggling with leprosy. Can you do something? I can. Go and show yourselves to the priest. Transactions. Transactions. Will you show up on Sunday? I'll show up. Transactions. How long is it? How long you serve? transactions. Jesus this morning has, is, is saying it's more than transactions. It's more than Sunday morning. And I love their, their response. Here's what they say. I don't just want transactions. I need transformation. You see, for what I need, it's going to take more than Sunday morning. Praise God for the praise team and fellowship kids and, and connections and set up and tear down and, and Rod can preach. Praise God for that. But I need more than 90 minutes. I don't need a transaction. I need transformation for what I need. I don't, it's not going to happen, Jesus, in this conversation. I got to go where you are staying. This word, where are you staying, means where are you abiding? Where are you resting? Where are you sleeping tonight? It's going to take some time for this. For you this morning and for I, you don't need no transactions. You need transformation, and transformation takes Some of us, for where you are, you're in, you're, you're, you're in a weird little season of your life. For some of you this morning, you have not been in this season before. Hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me. You have not been in this season before. 
and you're trying to navigate life through your own mental prowess. You're trying to think your way out of it. You're talking to certain people and people that have done it before you. You're trying to grasp all their wisdom and advice and you have spent no time with him. Hear me this morning. Hear me this morning. And you check a Sunday box and say, I'm good. No, in this season, you need to labor before him. In this season, you need to put Netflix down and you need to put all these distractions down and you just need to lay before Jesus. There's some work that sermons and podcasts and books can't do with your beautiful, smart self. It's going to take you laying before him and allowing him to do work in your heart that he desires to do. You've tried everything else, haven't you? You've talked to everyone else, haven't you? You told the group what your issue was, and you told your prayer partner what your difficulties was, have you not? Have you laid before him and waited upon him for him to speak to you? You don't know what you're going to do in your marriage, and you're, you're, you're thumbing for counselors, and you have not laid before him. Your overwhelm and anxiety is laying on you like an elephant sitting on your back and, and, and you're, you're, you're thumbing for help and you're talking to this one, but you have not laid before him. Don't go an inch further. He is beckoning you this morning. He is beseeching you to, to come and to lay and to be before him and to cut out the distractions. You can't navigate this on your own. You've got to lay this one out. Somebody say lay this one out. You're smart, but your smart won't do it. You got some coins in the bank, but your coins won't do it. You got resources and you got mentors and you got people to talk to, but that ain't going to do it. You got degrees on the wall, but the degrees won't do it. You got friends and fa got a strong family support system, but your strong family support system can't itch this scratch. It won't do it. This is something you got to lay out. Rodney, okay. You're talking to me. How do I lay out? Now I'm going to kneel down, but kneeling down is not the point. I can lay down here, but laying down here is not the point. The point is, is that I'm going to come to you broken, Lord. I'm going to come to you and lay down all of my desires and hope, and I'm, I'm going to wait on you. I'm not checking my watch. I just want you to speak to him, and, and you said in your word that, that, they, that you have not hid yourself from your people. You've put us here in this day at this time that you would speak to us. 
So I get before him. I cut my distractions. And I wait upon the Lord. And in this time, I'll pray to him and I'll sing to him and I'll listen to him and I'll read of him and I'll be encouraged by him, but I am waiting on the Lord. Rodney, how do I know how long to wait? You know when it's time to get up when you've been with him. This is not a formula. He didn't come for your calculated approach to him. He's come for you to have a broken and contrite heart before your God. I'm struggling with sin. Lay before him. Lay, 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 lay. Lay before him. You struggling with doubt and unbelief. And lay before God. When he speaks, however he speaks, it's stronger than a counselor. It's stronger than your best friend. It's stronger than the self-help books. It's stronger than anything else when he impresses upon your spirit what he would have you know. When you see in the text what's not written in ink, but you know God's talking to you through the book. Lay, lay before him. going to take more than a transaction. So Jesus responds to them, where are you staying? Where are you resting? I love his response. Coming you will see. This is what he's beckoning us this morning. He's, he's already hijacked this sermon. <laughs> He's, he's bidding us, come. Can you hear him this morning? Come, see. Yeah, but I just have, I, I just really want to tell you what's going on. He doesn't need the update. He doesn't need you to fill in the details concerning what happened. And, okay, this, you know, there, there are times as a leader, I, I have meetings, and then I go back to the elders, and I have to give these updates. And part of the challenge is, is, is remembering everything that was said in an hour conversation and trying to condense that into a five, ten-minute uh, phone call and try to remember all the details. With Jesus, I don't have to fill him in. He was in the conversation. He heard what so-and-so said, and he knew how you felt when so-and-so said what they said. You don't have to fill him in. He knows. Come, all you who are hungry, all you who are thirsty, all you who are heavy laden, come, and you will find rest. Thank you, Lord. You will Some of you are so tired. You are on this treadmill of life and you're running and running and running and some of you have been running so long you forgot why you're even on the treadmill in the first place. And you are running and running and running and you are weary. You are, it's, it's to the point where it's visible. People can see you tired. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm talking about sleep and I'm not just talking about sleep. Your soul is tired. Jesus says, 
Come. Come and see. Come and hear. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. He wants to provide rest that a vacation cannot do. I know the summer's coming up. And I know y'all plan. Y'all got that thing laid out. If you plan a vacation good, you know the first day there's nothing on the schedule. That's rehab from travel. If you're planning good now, the first day you're chilling, it's recuperating from your travel so you can prepare to enjoy your vacation. But you and I both know best of plans and a beautiful scenery, you can still not experience the rest that Jesus wants to bring to you. Jesus says, come and see. So they come and they see. They come and they see. I believe for us, God wants us to come and see about every area of our lives. Some of us, we segregate our experience with God to Sunday or life group or D groups. He wants to, he's asking you, come and see how I want to experience life with you. How I want to show you how to experience life to the full. So when you're in class, he's saying, let me come with you. Some, we can often say sometimes, you know, you have these problems, but you know what your answer is? Jesus is the answer. And that's true. Jesus is the answer. How is Jesus the answer, though? In my class, I'm struggling. I'm trying to pass. I don't know if I'm going to pass. How is Jesus the answer? Well, doesn't the book talk about diligence? Does a, doesn't the book talk about asking the Spirit for help? What does it look like when I'm praying before my test, my exam? I'm bringing him into my life. Whether it's you're cleaning, you're cleaning your house. How can I clean to the glory of God behind these crazy kids? My work, my career, how do I bring that to the glory of God and invite him in this process? How do I drive on I-95 at 515 to the glory of God? of God. He wants to be on that drive. Listen to me. He wants in in your transportation. Some of us say, well, no, that's, that's my alone time. That's what look, I got to think. I got to think this out. At a heart, I just, I just need to get my thoughts together. He wants in on those thoughts you want to get together. Because some of them thoughts... It's going to lead you the wrong way. He wants in on your parties. He wants you to experience amazing parties. He wants in on your budget. He wants in on your vacation. He wants in on summer camp. He wants in. He wants in. He wants in. Come and see. Lastly, never alone. Um, he's hijacked the sermon. Um, when you come to Jesus... He does not disappoint your journey as you come. Don't go alone. Andrew is there. He sees Jesus. Leaves John, follows Jesus. Jesus asks him, what do you want? Andrew says, where are you staying? It's about 4 o'clock in the afternoon, so he's spending a lot of time with Jesus. 
after he spends time with Jesus, what does he do? He goes back and gets his brother Peter and tells him, I found him. I found the Messiah. In other words, his experience with Jesus never happens in isolation. He's telling others about it. Andrew is an interesting, interesting, interesting character. He is one of the four of the core disciples. We often hear of Peter, James, and John, but, but, but actually Andrew was a part of the first four that were called into ministry with Jesus. Yet you don't see a lot about Andrew. He's not like Peter cutting off people's ear, cursing. He's more quiet, he's more reserved. Yet he's not insignificant. Andrew is known for bringing people to Jesus. When the crowd was hungry and, and people wanted to be fed and, and the little boy had two fish and five loaves, it was Andrew that brought the boy to Jesus. One of the things that Andrew does incredibly, incredibly well is he's always inviting others to be with Jesus. What his spirit reminds me of is, is, is Mr. Carlos Santiago. Carlos, if you know him, he's inviting you to Jesus. We had a whole lot of teachers from A.D. Henderson on Easter. Why? Come on. Come on. I want you to see this. I want you to experience it. It's the spirit of invitation that God is calling us into. He's inviting people to Jesus. He's an inviter, and he's really good at it. He's really good at it. There is no other means of people meeting Jesus more prevalent and powerful than a personal invitation. Andrew ministers in obscurity. Yet when Peter gets up and preaches in Acts chapter 2 and 3,000 people come to Jesus, I wonder if Andrew's on the side thinking, what if I never told my brother about him? It's not always what you do in lights. A lot of times, it's what's done in secret that has some of the most significant impact. I want to applaud. I don't want you to clap. I want to applaud every disciple maker, every coffee meeting that nobody knows about, but you encourage them in the Lord. Every person that opened up their home for life groups or discipleship groups, I just want to applaud you right now this morning. You're not here, but you're there. And they know it and they feel it and they're being transformed by God's grace because of your obedience to sacrifice for them. Their, their triumph is your triumph. Their success is your success. It's not always what's done in lights. Sometimes it's what's done in obscurity. Last thing and I'm done. Everyone's standing. Somebody was joking with me, <laughs> and they were saying, you know when your sermon long, because you tell everybody to stand, and you still finish your last point. So I'm going to finish my last point as you stand. Andrew was a fisherman. You can conclude this guy was strong. He was a disciple of John, which means... This dude was rugged. John lived in the desert and ate grasshoppers and honey as his diet. This dude, Andrew, is a beast. Yet his heart 
seems like it's been tenderized for Jesus. Here you have this manly man that doesn't need the spotlight, whose heart is tender towards Jesus. Can I submit to this church? Praise God for every woman here. We love you, we love you, we love you. Praise God for you. I believe this church needs more manly guys that love the Lord Jesus would weep before Jesus, but are, are, are no softy by any imagination possible. Andrew is a humble beast. Doesn't need spotlight and credit. He moves behind the scenes, strong and confident, but heart tender towards Jesus. Will play fourth fiddle to end the disciples' hierarchy so that men and women and children would come to know Jesus. See this beastly of a man holding this little hand boy, this, the, the hand of a little boy, bringing him to Jesus. So this morning, we need more Andrews. This morning, we need more Andrews. We need women that are, that are awesome and amazing and confident. Amazing women whose heart is tender towards Jesus and will boldly, boldly proclaim his goodness wherever they are and however God calls them to do that. This morning, I want to just pray over you. I want to pray that you would experience all that God has for you. Prayer team, would you come? I do want to give them that opportunity. Prayer team, would you come? This morning, if you need prayer for any reason, we're going to ask that you come. We want to pray for you. We want to give you that opportunity. You want to know what it means to be a Christian and to follow Jesus? I'm going to ask you to come. Take a few more moments and then I want to pray over you. If that's you, come, come quickly. Thank you, Lord. If you're in the congregation and you're not coming, I'm going to ask that you bow your head in prayer. I'm going to pray over you. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, thank you for all that you are and all that you're doing. And thank you how you're calling us to be the kind of disciples that are not just here for a transaction, but Lord, you're calling some of us to lay it down, to lay it down. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that we would, that we would do that for your glory. We pray in the name of Jesus that you would call us out of our our, our apathy out of our distances, wherever we are, Lord, whatever it is, call us out of that. And as we come, show us marvelous things through your word, by your spirit, through other people. Speak to us. We want to come and see. So, Father, we pray for that. We pray for every man in here. Particularly pray for every man in here, Lord that they would live bold and courageous lives for you. 
that you will equip them to be, to be bold, that they would not define masculinity from what the culture says, but they would define it by looking at Jesus, who was the most manliest man to ever live, who endured the cross, who took the shame, who carried and, and took our sins. Lord, help us to live these lives as humble beasts. So, Father, we thank you and we bless you for all that you are and all that you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord.